Amen. Amen. Alright. So we just finished a three-part series by Pastor. And today, I'm going to finish another series that I started as well. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about the man after the fish. So, so if you don't know, so if you don't know, last, last, last August, last August in 2019, the good old days, I started this series on the book of Jonah. And I, I, I broke it into, into a three-part series. The man before the fish, the man in the fish, and right now, the man after the fish. Then for lunch, we're going to have fish also. All right. <laughs> Amen. Come, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for such an amazing presence today here in this service. And Father, we pray that God, even as we dive into your word, continue to speak into each and every one of us. May our hearts be open, our ears be open, and our minds be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so in the book of Jonah, I, I told you like I broke it into, into three different parts. And, and let me just do a quick recap. In the man before the fish is basically Jonah before him being stuck in the big fish. Uh, we will talk about the call of God upon our lives. That we cannot be sleeping Christians in the belly of a ship. And I ended the sermon with this call for Christians to give their life for others. Because that was what Jonah did when he said, I would rather die, throw me off this ship. So he died, or he, think, he thought that he would die for the sake of others. And that's also the call of God upon our lives that others may live. And then in the man in the fish, we talked about, we, we went into how deep was God's grace and God's mercy in our lives. And that was the entirety of chapter 2 in Jonah was the call, was this cry of Jonah from inside the fish. It's probably, you know, the most weird prayer for someone to be praying from inside of the fish. And, and asking God for forgiveness, for repentance, and for God's mercy. And he was, he was already, you know, making, making uh, he was already accepting the fact that he was going to die. And so it's really about repentance and deliverance. So if you look into the book of Jonah, right, we started off with this man of being lost, of run, wanting to run away from God, and then suddenly encountering God, uh, or, or, or storms coming, encountering God. And that's a lot of us at the start before we, we know God, we are lost. And then in the, in the fish was when we find grace and we find God's mercy and we repent. And today we're going to talk about the third part which is the man after the fish and I'm going to talk about our Christian life. So, if, so, so let's turn to the book of Jonah and we're going to pick up in chapter 3. Alright, Jonah chapter 3 from verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now if you look, verse, chapter 3 starts like that, but at the end of verse 2, it basically says the fish spits him out onto dry land. He finished his prayer, everything, Kautim already, then God ask the fish to spit Jonah out on dry land. Now, do we have the map? Alright, so, Jonah started here 
in Joppa, and he was going to go to Tashish all the way at the site. Nineveh was, is there. Okay? And partway through his journey, he encountered the storm, and he, of course, he went into the belly of the fish. Now, in chapter 3, right, Jonah was travelling this side. He was supposed to go this side. Halfway through, he met the storm, he met the, the big fish, and then the fish spit him out. You see, some theologians believe, some scholars believe, that when the fish spit him out, he was back in Joppa at where he started at. In chapter 1, Jonah paid the fare to run away from God. Halfway through, he met Storm. He got stuck in the belly of the fish. And all through the entire journey to reach back to the same place where he started. God brought him back to where he was in the first place. Because number one, the vehicle of your correction will bring you to the place of your disobedience. The vehicle of your correction will bring you back to your place of disobedience. Because God is in this business of change management. And change management is change in you and me and everyone. God is in the business of human development, of character development. And until He sorts out that kink or He sorts out that chip on your shoulder, He's going to bring you back to your place of disobedience. Now, we always say, you know, um, this morning as I was, I was in the car coming here and, and I played this old, like really old song. Uh, you know this song, Change my heart, oh God. So there's this verse, right? That goes, You are the porter, I am. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. You know, it's not ancient. It's not a hymn, huh? it's not a hymn. Okay, so God is the porter and we are the clay. And you, if you notice, like, if you watch how uh, porters uh, shape the clay, He puts it on this, this round turning thing. You know, for some of you younger ones, it's like, you know, the, the, the DJ, the DJ station. Yeah, he puts the wasp or he puts the clay on top of that and it turns and it turns and it turns. You ever wonder why it's, it's put on that round thing that keeps turning and turning? Because after a while, it comes back to the same place, right? What the porter shapes, it will move and it will come back to the same place. And it's the same with our lives what we still need to adjust or what God still wants us to adjust. If we don't adjust to the right place, we'll go around, we'll still come back to the same place and God will keep adjusting us. And I, and I, was, and I was thinking, you know, like, actually why? Uh? Why cannot just put on a table and then just, just start shaping and, you know, moving the hands around? So, in, in, with, with great research, I went on Google and I had this great revelation. I, I had to go through a few search ones because uh, Google couldn't get my, my words early in the morning. And one of it said this. This is an age-old technique. It's a classical technique of shaping clay. Why it is put on that round, um, let's call it a turntable. On that round turntable, one is because of speed. Because the faster it turns, the faster the, the porter can 
can, can shape the clay into the shape that it wants it to be. And number two, because when it's in a round, it, it is going around and around, it is able to shape a nicer shape. It's more effective in shaping something that is beautiful. And God does that with our lives. And some of us, we are wondering, you know, God, how come, you know, I, I've been struggling with this for so long and you know, somehow I always end back up at the same place. Well, maybe because you haven't learned your lesson yet. Maybe because there's something more that God still wants you to learn or there's something more that God still wants you to experience before He moves on to another part. And sometimes we detest that. God, you lie lah. Same thing again. One round, balik, balik, come back. But that's how God works. He's shaping us. He's molding us. The vehicle of your correction brings you back to the place of disobedience. Look at Jonah. You know, God could have spit him out anywhere. God could have used, instead of, you know, a big fish, a big eagle to carry him away and place him right at the doorstep of Nineveh and the moment he's down, start preaching the gospel. You see, God isn't, doesn't really care about our destination. He doesn't really care where we are going in life. But He cares about who is getting there. He cares about the person that is walking that journey with God. Who will get there? Who will get to Nineveh. Jonah, without the experience in the fish, without the experience in the storm, he wouldn't be the same person that would step into Nineveh and preach the gospel. What we don't change, we choose. And what we choose defines us. See, character in Greek is character. <laughs> is spelled differently. But the Greek meaning of character is this. It is a stamping tool, a distinguished mark, or you're marked. There's something distinguished when something has character. You know, the origin of the word Christians come from the Greek word Christianos, which is followers of Christ. And this didn't start because, you know, there was this huge church called Harvest Generation Church in Jerusalem or in Israel or in some of those olden day places which I have no idea what now. It didn't start with a church and people calling, oh, Christians. You know, that's wow, super happening. It started as people calling them names. Look at those group of people. Followers of Christ. Cult members. Totally no disregard for their own lives. They were doing something radical. There was something distinguished and marked about their lives in the early days that when people caught, looked at them, when people saw them, they said, hey, followers of Christ. And that was how the term picked up. That after a while, Followers of Jesus, they were so different. They were so distinguished from everyone else. And you have to understand, at that time, right, it wasn't just, you know, there was no religion and suddenly there was Christianity. No. There were plenty of other things going around. It was like a metropolis. It was um, 
like the center of, you know, everyone was coming together. It was a melting pot of culture and of religion, of beliefs. But there was something about the Christians at that time that stood out to everyone. Hey, look, followers of Christ, look at them. What started as a laughing stock to others became a mark on every single follower that they were living a life that was different from everyone else. They were marked. They were appointed. They had character. They had a change in their lives that people could see. Character. The character that God wants to change in your life. Character determines your capacity. And character provides the right frame for your skills and giftings, giftings to thrive. You know, I, I put on quite a fair bit of weight during MCO because I got lazy. And I went back to the gym. And the first two weeks of the gym, of going back to the gym, my, the, the, the trainer kept coming back to me. You know, you need to adjust your form. You need to change your form. So, you know, we have this thing, right, where we do squats, you know, which is basically you, 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 you carry the weight and then you squat and then you come up. But I was, I was, I was doing it wrong. You know, I, I, could lift, I could bench the weight. I could do the, do the, do the number of uh, reps or the number of times that I was needed. But the trainer kept coming to me. No, you know, you need to, you need to, change, your, you need to change your form. You need to adjust it. Why? Because what you don't adjust will injure you in the future. So he came. Okay, so John, your legs must be like that. You know, 30 degrees here, 30 degrees here. Now before you start going down, your back must be like that. Alright? So then your, your, your shoulders must be straight so that your spine is straight. Then when you go down, go, 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 go. Then come back up. So you see... You see, if I don't do it right, when I try to bench something that's heavier, it will injure me. If your character is not right, if your character is not right, when God starts to bless you, when your ministry starts to grow, your squat and your stance won't be able to carry the weight that God wants to put upon your life. So we need to get our form right. We need to get our character right. We need to be the clay that is willing to be put on that DJ turntable and allow the DJ of our lives to make beautiful music, to turn our lives around, to shape us, to shape us into who He wants us to be. Amen. We're still in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. Alright, so. Verse 3. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of God. Now Nineveh was, exceedingly, was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Verse 4, Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. A city that is three days in extent means from one end to the other end is three days. Jonah was only one day in and already the city was in repentance. Because if you read verse 5 onwards, the people put on a fast and from the greatest to the least of them, 
they all repented. Jonah didn't have the right message. He didn't even have the right strategy. He, who, who preaches the gospel, walks in the city and starts saying, you're all going to die 40 days, calm down. And then I, who? Repentance. That was Jonah's message. He was the carrier of doom and gloom. Imagine you walk into church. You're going to die, confirm And you're going to go to hell. There's no message of love. There's no message of grace. Such a hard message, right? And that was Jonah's message. He walked into the city and said that. Jonah didn't have the perfect message. But God still used him anyway. Jonah didn't have the right strategy. He didn't have a team of, of disciples helping him to, to go with him, to, to pave the way, to make sure that he's well rested. No. It was a one-man show. His only assistant was the big whale or the big fish that brought him to, not even to Nineveh, just to Joppa. And he had to walk all the way. So the people proclaim a fast, verse 5, from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6, Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This was an act of repentance, of unworthiness, removing his identity of, of a king, putting on a sackcloth, sitting in ashes. And verse 10, Then God saw their works, and they turned from their evil ways. And God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. This king was the king of a nation of sinners that God had marked for death, that God had marked for destruction. But yet here He was on His knees in the ash, taking off His robe, repenting to God. But you see, Jonah, the book of Jonah, is a very funny and unique book. You would think that Jonah is the main character of the whole book. I mean, it's named Jonah, right? And in chapter 4, that's when the story turns. Chapter 4, that's when the story turns. Let's look into chapter 4, verse 1. Go, follow through with me. But it did please Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tashish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, Is it right? for you to be angry. This story doesn't really connect. He walks into the city, preach the gospel. The whole city, from the greatest to the least, down on their knees, proclaiming a fast in repentance. But yet here, the preacher of God, he was angry. He was not happy with the result. Jonah was where? Technically, God needed him to be, right? Reaching out to people, 
saving entire city, a nation of sinners. Once again, it's not about where we are in life. It's about who we are inside. He thought, Jonah thought, that was his purpose, to bring destruction, to lay waste to the city of Nineveh. That God, the wrath of God was going to come upon the city and he thought that was what he was supposed to do. We need to be where God wants us to be. We need to be who God wants us to be. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. I want to talk about the importance of who we are, understanding who we are and not where we are going. We always get caught up in the where we are going. I need to be in this career. Does, is God, does God want me to be, you know, doing this? Uh, what, what course am I supposed to take? But we always think of that destination, right? But we always fail to ask, am I the person that God wants me to be now? Am I having the right character that God wants me to have right now? We're called to be more like Jesus. And we often confuse and try to copy Him. It's true, uh, the Bible says, you know, be more like Jesus. Imitate Him. But we imitate what He do, but we don't imitate who He is. You cannot be imitators of His doing, but not be imitators of His being. Once again, we cannot be imitators of His doing, but not be imitators of His being. That's why in the Bible it says, there will be some that at the end of days will come before God and say, I've done this, I've healed and I'll do this. I don't know you. Be imitators of His being. Back to Jonah. Verse 5, chapter 4. And this is where Jonah totally melts down. So Jonah, being frustrated with God, went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it, under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was grateful for the plant. Okay, God, you know, you, you, you don't want to follow what I do, you know, it's okay, but at least you give me the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And so, it so damaged the plant that it withered. Man, the worm must be super hungry. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. We are the good soldier, competing athlete, hardworking farmer. I give to you the frustrated preacher. <laughs> Pastor's series plus one. 
the unofficial edition. The frustrated preacher, he saved an entire city of sinners, but yet here he was. I God, you do lah. I thought you asked me here to declare and say that in 40 days, all of them will die. And then suddenly they get on their knees, you know, they pray, they cry, they cry out to you. Then you, soft-hearted lah, God. God, I thought you would bless me, what? I mean, look at those fellas. Corrupt. Don't pay taxes. But yet, go free. People don't follow the law. Some people cheat in their exams. Some people cheat in their relationships. Why? At least you got relationship to cheat in. Ah. I don't even have a relationship. Eh. <laughs> Jonah thought he was doing God's work. But he wanted the result to be the work of his hands. Don't come to a point where God is beholden to us. You think of it, right? God is our creator. Our creator. He created every part of you. He created everything around you. And you want to come to a point, God, why are you like that? Eh? Hello, He created you, eh? Technically, He can uncreate you, right? Get it? Sometimes us human beings, we are, we are so stuck with this thing that, you know, religion is something that we, we put on, you know, God. Yes, I mean, okay lah, we, we get that. But sometimes our prayer, when you think of it, is super selfish. And I'm not going to give any examples because you sitting there, I'm sure you know you have prayed some selfish prayers. Because I know I've prayed a lot of selfish prayers. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, the frustrated preacher totally put down everything. Say, God, fine. It's not going to be my way, right? Or it's not going to be like what you told me. You told me what? You told me they're all going to die in 40 days. Fine, you want to change your mind, you change your mind, you do. I sit on the side, I watch what you do. This is not the frustrated preacher sat on the sidelines and watch what God wanted to do. Okay, this is a sermon, this is not a sermon about serving more. Jonah was already serving, but yet he missed the point. He sat on the sidelines. He sat on the sidelines. And you know who sits on the sidelines? Spectators. You know in a game, right, who makes the most noise? <laughs> Hello? Liverpool fans? <laughs> oh, sorry, touchy subject. <laughs> in a game, the one that makes the most noise? Spectators! Okay, you know they restarted NBA, right? And they had this thing like virtual fans. They basically, they put fans' faces, you know, on the LED screen. And they had to put Sound, you know, like the noisiest people in a game are spectators because why they got nothing better to do. 
If you're a player in the game, your eye, where's your eye? On the ball. Where's, where's, where's your direction? Towards the goal. If you're a spectator, what you're doing? Hey, defend, nah, defend. Hello. Oi. Hey, look at the keeper. Look at the keeper drinking water. People, the ball coming already. You would think that a spectator would have a bigger picture, bigger kind of picture. But no. The spectator makes the most noises. They're the most distracted people. They focus on the wrong things. And spectator comments, but has no impact on the game whatsoever. Don't be a Christian like Jonah. Jonah focused on the wrong things. He went out of the city. He was there with his little plant. You know? Wow, you see, God, you know, at least uh, I, I, I'm not happy with what, but at least you give me a plant. Uh. Oh, I'm happy with the plant. You know, I got shade. You know, I got shade. You know, I will build my ministry. It's okay lah. I don't need to do other things uh. You know, I, I don't need to understand what you're doing. It's okay. I just, you know, with my plant, I shade. It's enough for me. I'm comfortable. You know, I don't need, uh, my, my career is okay. I'm holding this plant. My family is okay. All it takes, right, is one hungry worm. Hello? All it takes is one hungry worm to eat your plant. And once again, God, why? Uh? You give me the plant, then you give the worm. Hello? What is this? And suddenly the wind comes. And I go, the situation. Oh. Everything is out of focus. Everything is out of whack. Don't be a Christian. Don't be like Jonah. Jonah was holding this plant, enjoying the shade, while God was saving a nation. While an entire nation of sinners were on their knees. Do you get the difference? He, the frustrated preacher, obviously missed something, right? I mean, you think of it. Let's trace back his steps. Okay, what? He had an encounter with God. He had that miraculous saving uh, uh, from God in the, in the, in, in the fish. And he, he was doing God's work. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He was proclaiming death and gloom. And that was what God, God's message for him. But when God changed, when God turned and switched lanes, he was comfortable already. He was very happy in his lane. Say, God, you put me on this lane but early on. Why now you want me to change? Isn't this your destiny for my life? Isn't this your calling for my life? When we ask questions like that, right? Is our calling for ourselves or is our calling for God? When we ask things like, yeah, I don't know what is God's destiny for me, eh? Are we asking for ourselves? Or are we asking whether you want to fulfill what God wants you to do? God switched lanes. He saved an entire nation. And here it was. The frustrated preacher missed the point. The king of a nation of seniors, sinners obviously got it. Because he was on his knees, repentant. So what did the preacher miss? The preacher missed the heart of God. 
The preacher means the heart of God. Even up to the point when Jonah was holding on to the plant, he still missed the heart of God. Church, don't hold on to things which you won't bring into eternity. Don't build things which won't last into eternity. Everything will be consumed and what is not pure will be destroyed. Don't miss the point. Don't be so engrossed with our lives and what we want or how we want ministry to be, how we want our families to be, how we want our relationships to be, and yet we miss that there is an entire nation, a king with a nation of sinners that is on their knees crying out to God and you're here complaining about that one little leaf that God put over your head. And you complain more when the worm comes to get you out of your comfort zone. Last year, Easter, we were sitting up in the office, the creative team, and we were talking about <clears throat> we were talking about what to do for Easter. To give you a bit of backstory, that was right after Christmas, the year where we moved here. And the team was very tired. I personally, I was like totally zoned out already. And I was telling them, you know, what if we don't do anything for Easter? Like, it's okay lah, we just have service, you know. We, we still celebrate that, you know, Jesus rose up again. But, you know, we just have a normal service lah. Let's be normal for once. Let's, let's enjoy Easter, you know. And we were tired. We were very tired. And we, were, we came to the point, like, you know, should we, should we like, just, just not do it or, or anything? And we, we met. We, I think that was a really long meeting. It was almost like a two, three-hour brainstorm meeting. And, and we didn't, couldn't reach a decision. And then we said, okay, the worship practice is happening now. So, okay, some of you need to go. You all just go and we'll come back after dinner and regroup. You know, talk to God and see how. And I was sitting in the office and there was this, uh, a friend um, that, that came by and he, he had a dad who was in the late stages of cancer. And he came by, he was visiting from somewhere and the dad called him on the phone. And I was there in the office. I, I was, you know, like going to sleep like that, you know, because very tired. Then I overheard the conversation of what he was talking to the dad. And he was asking the dad, you know, hey, yeah, I mean, how is generation? You know, they just moved to this new place and, you know, wow, the lights are crazy, you know, it's going here and there. And then he asked, um, how, how was your visit to the hospital? He was doing chemo at that time. And... The, the dad said something and then the son said, oh, so you don't really have uh, appetite to eat. And he said a whole bunch of other things which really um, somehow broke my heart. And you could sense that that person was probably very sick, was probably even already at the end of their life. And then, then the Holy Spirit just impressed upon my heart and said like, you know, you, you, are, you are tired. You are 
and, and rightly so, you are tired because we just had this big move. And, but he said, but there are people out there who might come for Easter and that might be the only time that they step into church. I said, but you know, it's, it's not my responsibility to save them, right? You know, sometimes I, I, I was bargaining with the Holy Spirit, which is a really dumb thing to do. Don't ever do it. Trust me, you lose one, confirm. You win now, later in heaven, you need to answer also. Every time we had production, I'm, I'm always not that happy because I feel like there should be more salvation. There should be people, you know, thronging the, the altar. There should be people lifting up their hands, you know. And the Holy Spirit said this, like, what's your part in this? Are you doing it so that, you know, you can feel good seeing the people thronging the altar? Or you can feel good seeing, you know, people lifting up their hands? Are you doing because I've asked you to do it? And how would you know if what, you have, what, what we've, we've put up as a production of the message that you preach on that day has not dropped a seed in their hearts that years later might bear fruit? So what are we called to do? Are we so stuck in our lane of building our life, of doing church, doing ministry, our studies, our career, that we fail to see the heart of God at work in and around us. The preacher of God, Jonah, missed out that God was at work in an entire nation of sinners, from the greatest to the least. And he was just stuck there. Jonah chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. There's an ESV version and I'm going to end with this. If you look up, God appointed a plant. God appointed a worm. And God appointed a scorching wind. Jonah 1 verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish. Appointed means to assign a job or a role, to assign power, duty or responsibility. God can use the plant, the wind, the worm and the big fish to bring someone like Jonah to where he wants him to be. And get this, the book of Jonah, right? It just ends with a cliffhanger. It has no ending at all. It doesn't say that Jonah repented and, you know, became a great man of God or, or it doesn't say like, you know, the nation just... Um, repented and he was saved and everything was well and the end. It doesn't say that. It just ends with God asking Jonah a question. There was no ending. And I'm glad that there was no ending. You know why? Because it's like our lives. 
We have not yet finished. We have not, God is not finished with us yet. As much as He was at work in the people that needed saving, in the people of Nineveh, He was at work in the life of Jonah at the same time. He was at work in the preacher and when He was at work in the people that the preacher was saving at the same time. And God's not done with each and every one of us. Our life, our Christian life, we are called to be transformed, to be renewed, to be more like Jesus Christ, to imitate Him, to walk in His ways. In the big theological word, we call that sanctification. But in layman's terms, it's just to be more like Jesus, to have His heart, to not just want to be more like Him in His doing, to be not just like Him in being doing the miracles, you know, bringing the wrath of God, you know, saving thousands, but to be more like Him in the character, to be more like Him in His values, to be more like Him in His being. God is at work in our lives. You know, the Christians in the early church, they were called out for being different. They were called out, they were mocked for being followers of Christ. When you have character, you have a mark on your heart, a mark that says Jesus Christ. And God has appointed you, each and every one of you. He has given you power and duty and responsibility, skills, your careers, all for His glory. Church, today there's only two questions that I want you to take away from this entire sermon. Number one, do you understand that God is still at work in your heart today, that there is a continually, there's a continuous transformation that God is still doing and will do and will do and will do because your life is on that DJ station, that turntable and it's going to turn and He's going to shape and He's going to shape and He's going to shape until when He's done and you meet Him and He says good and faithful servant and that is that beautiful, beautiful pottery that comes forth from the clay that is our lives. Number two, do we have the character? Do we understand that our lives need to change? I really feel that God is saying today that He has appointed every single one of you. Just like how He has appointed the plant, He has appointed the worm, appointed the big fish to do something for His glory, to do something to be a part of His great big 
plan. He has appointed you. He has appointed you. And by name, He has appointed you. Joey, God has appointed you. Sam, God has appointed you. Mavis, God has appointed you. Are we willing to lay down our lives and say, God, if you are switching lane, I'm going to switch with you. Are you willing to say that, God, I'm willing to be an embarrassment just like Jonah and say, you know, I'm going to bring doom and gloom. I'm going to bring, you know, the city is going to, 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 to be destroyed. But when God, God changes His mind, He says, God, I'm totally okay. I'm going to be fine with a nation of sinners that is on their knees. And rather than being sulking here with the plant over our head and the shade and the worm and the wind, I'm going to be on my knees praying with them, asking for salvation, asking for repentance as long as God's will is done in our lives and on earth. It's time we put away everything. It's time we stop being spectators it's time we just stop commenting. It's time we get into the game, start kicking the ball around, start being laser-focused, start scoring goals. This transformation will never end. Because we're just going to be more and more and more and more like Jesus. That's what He has called us to be and that's what He wants us to be. He's going to continuously mold us. He's going to be continuously shaping us. But He has appointed every single one of you. Every one of you has a part to play in His great big plan. Church Online, you're appointed. God has something for you to do. Don't just stay in your lane. Stay in God's lane. I pray we have softened hearts. And I pray that we be sensitive to God's leading today. I pray that you continue to, to seek God, for Him to change you, to allow Him to continue to change you. To not be so set in our, our sights, but to really be in it, to understand where He's going, to understand His heart, to understand where He's leading us to. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.